0: The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries.
1: Hi good everybody, welcome to this week's episode, episode 32 of the Dan Scott show presented by Grand Slam Ministries I am Dan Hope that you've had a great week and uh, look forward to a even better week moving ahead. And right here in between in the kind of pause point on Sunday we hope to inform and entertain and share and laugh and cry and whatever else we need to do to Make you understand how much Jesus loves you, that He is still working in people's lives, doing miracles all the time. And I am so blessed to get to tell those stories. We are winding down our summer rerun series. This will be, I think, six episodes that we have reshared an interview from previous weeks. And again, the premise being that we've added so many affiliates from when the show started in the early months we're up to 13 affiliates now that some of these great interviews have not been heard by the wider audience but don't fear within the next week or two we are going to start the series of new interviews heading toward the end of the year and already have a couple of great ones lined up just a little bit of a tease we got a good one for you today as well. Rachel Joy Rohi, a uh, phenomenal speaker, former sportscaster, trailblazer for women in sportscasting, personal demons, suicidal thoughts, glory, and the grace and the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Her story is amazing, and you're going to hear that either again or for the first time when we come back. First, though, I want you to hear something about Grand Slam Ministries.
2: Every day, there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little and sometimes nothing until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's GrandSlamMinistries.org.
0: Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at Danscottshow.org And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries.
1: Dan Scott Show, we are basically just getting things rolling here on this Sunday, episode 32 so I try to remind you at least once every show, if you've missed anything, if you want to find out more about Grand Slam Ministries' core missions, more about the show, discover the archives. Danscottshow.org is the best place you can go. GrandSlamMinistries.org is actually a page there. So if you go to Danscottshow.org, it will tell you everything you need to know about me about the show, about our core missions for Grand Slam Ministries. It's got the show archives there, a list of our affiliates, and the times that the show airs live on Sundays in those particular markets. And uh, it also has the archives where you can go back and listen to shows that uh, perhaps you have missed, or maybe you want to share with someone if if a testimony you heard from one of our guests really uh, had that kind of effect on you. Danscottshow.org is the website. I had the extreme pleasure of interviewing Rachel Joy Rohi back at the end of May. She is a trailblazing sportscaster for women, has done all sorts of amazing things in her career, up to and including going through a football camp as a player, and we actually talk about that toward the end of the upcoming interview when we spoke her new book relentless joy was on the verge of being released so you're going to hear us refer to that it has since already been released but when we began the interview and i want to just go ahead and tell you now she bears her soul about some things uh including drug use and and her past life and things that she overcame through the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful, powerful testimony. We began by talking about the process of writing this new book, Relentless Joy.
3: Uh, It was so hard. I want to tell anybody who wants to write a book, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I I just got my author copies in, so I'm like, um, which is just amazing. But I... I, you know, I just put out something on Twitter and it was like, look, you know, a friend had written something about, about the book and about me and, and, um, and I shared it and I said, look, this is, if you're reading this, it's not a, Hey, look at me. It's all about me. This is a a call to you to dust off your dreams, dust off the dust bunnies, get them out of the toilet, get them out of the, off the shelf. You too have a book, a movement, a passion project, a woodworking project, a, uh, something in you that makes your soul sing that makes you happy and you know we've gotten too busy too sick too tired too whatever and you you put it to the side and I said so you know there were times when I was writing this book where I wanted to quit I dealt with imposter syndrome Dan where I remember the first you know I'd written a few chapters and then um, and and the treatment which is the hardest and I remember I was writing and and I remember thinking, God, this is what am I going to? You know, the devil just had a hold of me, and he was like, "You're stupid." You know, like what? What do you have to say that somebody's never said before? You know, and and uh, nobody's going to read this. And I wrote a particular chapter, and I I and this is a powerful tool. I went ahead and envisioned myself recording it for the audiobook because I believed I was going to get an audiobook, and and you know, even though I didn't feel it in the moment, my future self believed it. And so I recorded it myself speaking the chapter and I sent it to a friend and then I listened to it and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's good. Like that's really good. And then then my friend messaged me and said, Rachel, like she was crying. She was like, this is really good. And I just shook off that imposter syndrome and I just told the devil to take a hike and kiss my grits and that I was going to write like with reckless abandon. So I say all that to say is it's relentless joy. It's coming out June 20th. Um, And I have laughed with people and said it would have been much easier to write a work of fiction, you know, because this is my life. And so every hard thing got dredged up every beautiful thing got dredged up. Uh, And then writing is also very lonely, you know, I have four bonus kids, I'm married um i still go by my maiden name barbeau but my name is rachel joy rohi and so you know when you're creating when you're doing a podcast like you're doing when you're writing a book you're not with a group of people you're not socializing you're not at the ball game you're not at the gymnastics meet you're not taking somebody to volleyball you're 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 separated right and uh and it's hard and so i say all that to say is there's so much um, work that goes into it, but then when you see it in like book form or podcast form, it just, woo! it's mind-blowing.
1: <laughs> and what you find out through the process is, is if it's God's calling on your life, yeah, it's going to get done, and it's going to get done sometimes in spite of the person who's doing it, but usually with the surrender to God, it says, okay, you want me to do this, I'm going to do it, and, and He's going to see you through it.
3: And let me say I, I, a girlfriend just wrote this she said uh i'm telling you she said in letting you know this book will shake you up inside because i'm telling you it will i'm three chapters in and it's the soul food i've been needing to ignite the fire inside me that has been close to being extinguished my friend rachel joy is a woman of many talents maybe some of you know her from being a sportscaster but um you know, that's why I wrote it. You know, ultimately, the difference between ego and God's glory as a Christian is I didn't write this for my ego, Dan. I, my ego, uh, I, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to feed my ego in this worldly world. I wrote this because God specifically said, my child, I have brought you through these things. So that you will tell your story. I've given you the mouth of the South. (laughs) You know, I've (laughs) given you a a loud mouth that'll talk a lot. Just ask my husband and my broadcasting career. And I've given you the ability to write. And um, and I know you you will let me use you for my glory. And so that's why I always, whenever I'm doing social media or anything, I remind Mm -hmm. people this is not for my glory. Do I want to sell, be a bestseller? Heck yes. You know why? Because it means that that many people will have this copy in their hands and will have their lives affected by this
1: book. You know, I, I just saw on Twitter right before we started this, the the post that you yeah. shared <laughs> with your friend writing that, and, and we're doing the interview via Zoom. Our listeners aren't going to be able to see it, but the emotion that welled up inside you, that was genuine emotion yeah. to have a, a friend of yours saying such words over something that you did. I mean, I, I can tell it really moved you,
3: it, you know, uh, Ooh, wow. And, and it's uh, still moving you. <laughs> it's still, and, and here's why I, um, I have battled in my life, um, to be a very confident person. I have battled this, this, um, you know, this ability to receive compliments. Okay and god has done a miracle in me and so i used to be so uncomfortable when somebody would give me a compliment Dan, that i would literally dig my fingernails in my hand and i would turn around and i would genuinely now i would turn around and give somebody else a compliment back you know just to take it off of me and the lord really has shown me and some family members that went on to heaven showed me that hey when somebody gives you a compliment it is a gift it is something that they believe about you so when Your husband says, baby, you look beautiful in that dress. And you say, oh, this whole thing, you know, or that looks big, you know, no, he's actually trying to give you a gift. When somebody says this book changed my life, that's a gift they're giving me. So now what I do, Dan, is I put my hand over my heart and when I read her words and I just, I say, thank you. And I genuinely receive them. And I continually ask God to, you know, to mold my heart and to to form me and to heal me in a sense that I can feel those compliments deeply.
1: You you know, it's interesting as we have been doing this radio show and and we are 20 plus weeks into it now. And and the premise is God is still working in people's lives. And and, and there's stories that you don't hear by and large in the mainstream media. And and what I'm finding out more and more is that there are, are people in high profile positions athletes and other places who are looking for places they feel comfortable in sharing these stories and i know that that you have done countless interviews and the book and and everything else but but when did you reach that comfort level of opening yourself up and and really I hate to use the phrase "exposing the demons." We're going to talk about that in in just a moment. But but exposing yourself to the world like that and say, "This is who I was," and this is where God has brought me.
3: Yeah, uh, we call it in my movement, and I'm changing the narrative. We call it radical vulnerability. You know, Dan, I can't pinpoint a particular time um, that I said, "You know what? That's it. I'm just gonna." I'm, I've always been an open individual. Um, But somewhere along the way, I I learned the secret to radical vulnerability. And that is when you get radically vulnerable and say, I've been there, I've been addicted, I've battled with so-and-so, I've gone through this, I've lived through abuse, I've, you know, um, I'm I'm learning, unlearning generational, you know, habits and patterns and breaking curses. When you do those things, it allows people around you to have a comfort level and sharing their junk too. Because here's the reality, we are... We really, we, we're all walking around with this harbinger of perfection around our neck. I need to be perfect. I need to be perfect. I need to be perfect. People aren't drawn to you with your perfections. They're more drawn to you, to your imperfections than they ever were your perfections. And people are drawn to relatability, right? And, um, it was last, not this Christmas, but last, uh, the, the part of my story where I talk about addiction, I went to my husband and I told him, I said, I feel like God is calling me to talk about that. And that part of my life, I never talked about. And the reason why was because I had an agent, bless his soul, that told me, um, because I was sharing this at the Love Lady Center, I've been going for 10 years, it's a women's Christian halfway house where, you know, these women can get jobs and bring their kids and get God, and it's just amazing and saved countless lives. And I've been giving my testimony for 10 years. So I said, you know, he had heard years ago, my agent, he had heard, you know, we talk about that. And he said, emphatically, you cannot talk about this anywhere outside of that, of, of the love lady, because it will keep you from getting a job. And I was like, but it was like seven, eight years ago, you know, like I, I what I've been delivered from that. He was like, no. So what he did was he inadvertently attached shame to my story mm-hmm. big time. Right. And, and I didn't know that. And so then God began to call me and call me and call me because I'm doing my paperwork right now to start working in prisons and going into prisons. And and I just went to my husband and I said, can I talk about it? Do I have your blessing and bless my amazing husband's heart? He said, yes. And so it allowed me to have a conversation with my now 15 year old daughter. And I sat her down and I said, I want to tell you what, you know, your bonus mama went through you know, in her twenties and what she battled through. And she was like, gobsmacked, you know, she was just like, what? I would have never thought that about you. And she said, I just want you to know it doesn't make me think anything different of you. And I'm so glad you told me. So it allowed me to have a conversation with my children about the dangers of drugs, about, about, you know, all of the things about addiction, about all of that, about shame, about the devil. And, um, and so I thank my husband. I, in a weird way, thank that agent. Um, I wish I would have started talking sooner, but he was a part of the story too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can't pinpoint it, but I do call it radical vulnerability.
1: You know, it's interesting. God is opening more doors for me to speak to churches and yes, and, and things and, and sharing my testimony. And it's that fine line. You don't want to glorify the things you've been through, but you have to share those so people can see where you were and where you are now, and the only way you got there was because of the grace of God. For me, it was being sexually abused as as a young child by a group of older boys, and and all the insecurity and things that, that I grew up with because of that. But I, I cannot tell you how many times I'll, I'll speak to a church, or I spoke to a Celebrate Recovery uh, uh, meeting just a couple of weeks ago, and somebody will walk up to me, it may just be one person, but it almost always happens, who says, that was me. Yeah. That that your testimony yeah. and my life are are so much alike, and, and that's yeah. when you know that God is in this. That's yes. that's when you know, right?
3: And it's always about it's one life. Uh, I I've been able to impart this to my bonus kids too a while back. Somebody said, "Well, you know, something there, something on her post." She but she doesn't have a lot of likes. And I said, "Honey, it's not about." Told my babies, it's not mm-hmm. about the number of likes. It's if one, I've never done things for numbers. I've done things for souls and I've done things for a soul. Um, If I walk into a room and speak at, let's just say TCU and one player is affected. I won. God won that day. Mm -hmm. You know, I I ran my race. Well, I'll lay my head on the pillow and know that I did what I was supposed to do with my day. So I want to impart that to people that are listening to your amazing show is please do not get caught up in the likes and the quantity because it'll suck the comparison is a thief of joy. And we know that. And you'll start comparing your marriage before you know it to another marriage. You'll start comparing your your family, your bank account. You'll start comparing your social media status, somebody else. And before you know, it, it'll suck the joy right out of you.
1: You yeah, know It's interesting because before I was saved, I, I did a daily three-hour sports talk show on the Clemson University flagship station for 11 years. Tremendous success, huge audience, had a great impact with with raising money and all kinds of stuff. Lost that job, got saved six months later, and and God has done just an amazing job, as he always does, of of moving my life in, in a direction, but the audience has never been the same. And sometimes I say to myself, okay, God, now I'm yours. Where's the crowd but it's those moments where one person or two people will come up to you and say, what you said impacted me, and that's when I finally started to figure out just what you said. It's not how many, it's who.
3: And I, I, I teared up a little bit. I, I'd heard this, um, this adage that said, when we get to heaven, God will show us the people that we impacted. And this, this old, act, I think it was like, you know, the, a meme or a cartoon of Billy Graham, you know, God bless his soul. When he gets there, all the people that will say, you touch me, you affected my life. And so, um, I think it's important to remember as a Christian that we don't work for worldly applause at the end of the day. I want to make God proud. And that's it. That's, I want to make God proud. I want to make my family proud, but, but in a, in a, in a larger sense an eternal sense, I want to make God proud.
1: Rachel Rohi is joining us. Uh, The book is under (laughs) Rachel Joy Barbo, her uh, maiden name. It's called Relentless Joy, Finding Freedom, Passion, and Happiness, Even When You Have to Fight for It. We're going to continue to to talk about that. I want to go all the way back, though, and uh, start unpacking a little bit. I said we were going to get in the weeds with your blessing. So um, I saw an interview with you from earlier this year you did with CBN and and, yeah. and you used a, a term in there that caught my attention when you, you used the term father wound. Because mm-hmm. at my church, our men's ministry, and I don't know if you've heard of this, but we've gone through Robert Lewis's quest for authentic manhood. And yeah. one of one of the things that you address in that is the father wound. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that, my antenna went up. I, I'm just gonna let you kind of tell tell that story in those circumstances.
3: Yeah, I have my, if I had a joke and say this in the book, if my episode had a name, it would be my four dads. (laughs) So that just tells you everything. Now, listen, I never hurt for love, uh, but I certainly had some dysfunction. I had uh, an adopted father. I was adopted at 18 months old. I had my biological dad that I did not know about. They told me when I was six, but obviously I didn't care. I'd rather watch the Smurfs. Um, and it never dawned on me that my adopted father had red hair and freckles and I'm, you know, Latina and ethnic looking, you know, um, uh, my friends call me exotic looking. And so it never dawned on me. And then my parents got divorced when I was eight. And then my mom remarried when I was about 11. And um, so then that stepdad entered my life. And then I have my mom's first husband, my brothers and I have the same mom, different dads. Their dad has been around since before, you know, before I was born, obviously I'm the baby. And so he's been like a bonus dad. And what happened um, was the author of lies, the enemy, the devil, when I was around 13, um, 11, when I found out I was adopted, he began to imprint words on my little soul, like bastard and illegitimate and unloved. And I never told anybody, Dan, and I let those, um, I let those words take root in my soul and I it it allowed a gateway to get into drugs and alcohol early um just fun times, I thought. And then I got into college and you know, uh, tried hard drugs um, at a at a party and and um, before I knew it, it wasn't a party anymore, and I was addicted and I had an eight year addiction. And only by the grace of God am I alive here to talk about it. and um, and so I will talk about it and I will share for the rest of my life whether it is sex, drugs, porn, food, gambling, you know, shopping, whatever it is, that addiction will suck the very life out of us. And Nona Jones, another another amazing author, said, you know, shame is like mold; it grows in the dark. And when you put light on it, when you put the light of Jesus Christ, and the light of truth, and the light of, hey, I'm, I've got a problem, um, friend, neighbor, church, you know, church buddy, I, I'm I'm struggling here. I'm in the throes of addiction. That's when you start to begin the healing.
1: You, you said in the interview that I saw that you actually accepted Christ at 13 years old, yeah. uh, and, and then like a, a lot of youngsters do, and I don't know what your experience like. My dad is a pastor and a preacher and is still doing it at 75, but I came forward at a youth meeting at 14, got baptized, all I got was wet uh, at that time. Uh, so, I you know, I don't know what your experience was like when it actually happened, but obviously what you committed to then and what your life became were not paths that were heading parallel to one another.
3: No. And it's a, it's a great point. And, and I think this is worth saying too, they weren't, but it was absolutely part of the story and how God intended it because God got me at 14 and I went down that aisle and I felt it and I was fully on fire and saved. Mm Mm-hmm. And that being saved and knowing God is the only thing that brought me out of the addiction, because in my throes of my addiction, he was still calling to me and saying, I love you, my girl. I created you for more than this. It was never condemnation. It was conviction. I remember waking up one morning and having a vision of him in the corner of my bedroom. And it wasn't a mad dad look. It was a sad dad look like I I love you. You are more than this. And And then he gave me a vision um very uh not long before i got clean and and it was you're a runaway train going the wrong way down the track and you're going to kill yourself kill somebody else end up in jail uh, or all the above and break your family's heart that was the fourth and um and and i had wanted to quit i was tired i was sick and tired of being sick and tired and and lying and manipulating in those things and um he supernaturally delivered me from that addiction
1: what was there one moment where you can look back now and say i bottomed out this this was rock bottom
3: when i was selling it to other people Mm. when i was contributing to the delinquency of other people
1: that's hard to admit right now isn't it yeah i i can i can see it in your eyes that that's that's hard for you to say even though it's part of the story
3: yeah it still is you know and I am like you, I, you don't want to glorify anything, but I'm in a way, I'm not grateful I hurt people. I'm not grateful that, you know, that I cause pain and, and damage, but the, there is a small weird part of, of me that is grateful that I walked through it simply to be able to say me too, and to be able to stand in front of a women's shelter, like the love lady and, and. You know, I'll go up there. Sometimes I'll be dressed up, and I can see the women. Sometimes they're like, "What's that girl know? She don't know nothing about me, little Miss Fancy Pants." You know, <laughs> and uh, and then I'll stand up there and I'll tell them, and you can see their jaws drop. You know, and I and what I say to them is, "There's hope on the other side, and there's joy on the other side, and there is hope, and peace, and love, and you can get there too." Yeah,
1: I I have been enamored by radio since I was a kid my my parents used to buy me radios and I would take them apart to see how they worked and and ultimately they didn't because I had messed them up so I, I've <laughs> I've, I, I've been drawn to this business my entire life so I, I couldn't help but smile when your turnaround and, and turn back to God started when you came across a sermon on the radio
3: yeah yeah.
1: What? What was? Who was it? Do you remember?
3: It. Uh, it was Joel Osteen, and and bless him, he's not my favorite now, and that's okay. It's, you know, different strokes for different folks. Uh, but it was Joel Osteen, and um, and my girlfriend and I heard it on the way home from a weekend, a blowout weekend, and and both of us looked at each other, and uh, we both began to weep, and uh, she was going down the same road. We'll never name her, and um, and we both uh, we both got clean and and um, have never looked back. And she's got a beautiful family and a beautiful life. And um, we're literally miracle stories.
1: You rededicated your life to Christ uh, as I'm reading the next day, yeah. and and started 180 degrees in the other direction. How long did it take people to b- buy into the fact that you're not the same person you used to be?
3: You know, um, that's a really good question. I think there were traits in my personality that are exactly who I am today. There was joy and I was social and I love people and a social butterfly, but I was also again, flaky and manipulative and selfish and, and those things. And um, so I think the good parts of my, of my, who God made me to be were magnified and slowly those parts of me that weren't so pretty um, started to fall away. And so I began to shine you know, like, like who I was created to be and the people that loved me, loved me. Um, and there were, there was a, a, probably a, you know, five to 10 year period where some people that I used to do things with and, and, you know, um, in my iniquity, you know, they saw my life and saw me speaking and doing this and doing that and being pronounced about my faith. And and I knew that they were watching. I know that they're watching and, um, And I'm I'm not wanting to beat anybody over the head. All I'm trying to say is, here's my life. Here's what God's done with it. And a lot of those people have come around. They've sent me private messages and said, you know, good on you. You know, Um, I am a very uh, over the top uh, extra person. Joy is really my middle name. I'm giving it birth. And so sometimes people have a tendency to think that, um, like my friend, PJ Fleck at, at Minnesota football, you know, they're like, is he really like that? Is he really like that? You know, all the time I'm like, yeah, he's really like that. Um, you know, and people have the tendency sometimes that don't know me or that used to know me. Like, is this an act? Is this, you know, no, it's not. It's who I am. And um, it's who I was created to be. And I don't know how long I have on this earth. So I'm going to walk out and be exactly who I was created to be.
1: And, and the truth of the matter is that, there are some people who are never going to accept the change. There are some people who don't care. There are always going to be haters, as the kids like to say these days, who are going to try to to tear down and rob you of your joy, if I can use that. Uh, yeah. And you just have to remember where that joy comes from, and it comes from Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel Joy Rohi joining us here on this yeah. week's edition of The Dan Scott Show. Um, I was, okay, I've made you cry enough. Let's, 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 have, <laughs> let's have some fun in, in the time that we have left. Uh, you've done a, uh, just an amazing number of things in your career uh, as a broadcaster before we even get to some of the other stuff. Blazing trails for women in, in the uh, industry, the first uh, host of what, College Football Nation on Series and first female host. You actually strapped on the pads <laughs> and went through an <laughs> NFL training camp. and and i've seen i've seen the pictures you looked a little bewildered
3: i know i know and i've got the i don't know where just made me think i was like where's my jersey my jersey's somewhere i've got to find it um but i do want to get it framed and put up on my wall but yeah i um i had a guy that would call in the show i had you know a radio show in columbus georgia and he would say girl you don't know nothing about football You ain't never strapped on a helmet and he'd say it just like that. And I'd say, oh, yes, I do. I know. Yes, I do. I, I know about football. You know, two brothers all for a different perspective. But he just really annoyed me. And uh, my co-host at the time, his name was Mike. He, he said he had this crazy idea. He was like, why don't you go out with the, you know, the Columbus uh, uh, Lions? And I said, OK. So we we asked the coach, you know, totally blindsided him on the air. And he was like, "Uh." uh, well, you'd have to sign a bunch of waivers. I have to check with the league. And this was a, a, a championship team. And so semi-professional. And so he came, he came back and he said, you know, look, I'll let you do it. He said, but here's one condition. I'm going to treat you like everybody else. You're going to get tackled. And I'm like, what, yeah. you know, and I am built close to the ground, which is a nice way of saying I'm short teet and short. And, uh, so yeah, so five days of two a days. Um, I was literally bruised in in areas I didn't even know you could be bruised, (laughs) wearing ice packs in places you couldn't, you know, I I, I tackled wrong. They worried about me snapping my neck, literally, you know, I mean, I did all, I mean, I was just a walking mess, but it was one of those things I was telling my daughter. She did something hard the other day. My bonus daughter, she had a class that was really challenging and she pulled this grade up. She studied her butt off and pulled this grade up. And I said, here's the thing. I said, that is going to be one of the things in your life where, if you need to draw on inspiration that you did a hard thing, you can draw on that. And I said, I have things in my life like climbing Kilimanjaro or playing football that if I ever doubt myself that I can do hard things, I go back to Rachel who played football or Rachel who did these things and and I draw inspiration from it.
1: By, by the way, you, you do the Southern football fan very well, the, especially the radio talk show caller Southern football fan.
3: Oh, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. I, I mean I, I was right where you were for 17 years. You know, I did <laughs> sidelines. I did all the other things um but radio was my my first love. Mm. Yeah. Sports do, self,
1: radio. Do, do you miss the the sports at all? The sports With casting? That, do you miss the sports casting at all?
3: I don't. Um and my husband asked me that for about a year after um after Uh, I retired and I'm, I love the people. I'm still in it. I'm just in a different, you know, I'm just in a different um, role. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I don't, I don't, I love the game. Uh, I love my media people. I, you know, I do some hosting every once in a while, like with the Chick-fil-A bowl. And, um, and so I, I I was down on the sidelines last year for the Chick-fil-A bowl and I got to see all my media people I haven't seen in years and got hugs and, you know, love and all of that. And it was great. Um, but honestly, I found what sets my soul on fire and I haven't really looked back.
1: I know we've only got a few minutes left, so I want to try to get through some things as quickly as I can. Yes. In, in one part of your book, you're, you're giving some some old fashioned advice to girls uh, about the kind of man to look for. I mean, it's so counter to what culture is telling us today. I almost gave you a standing ovation when I was <laughs> reading it, you know, Uh he has to love Jesus, save yourself for marriage and and I'm a father of two daughters, so you know, I'm I'm and a pastor's son, so I was ready to pass the plate. You know, let's take up a collection right now. Yeah. <laughs> when when I when when I read that, that that is so counter to what culture is telling girls today, Rachel. And and it it's almost like you have to be courageous to stand up and say something like that.
3: I, I do. It was courageous. It is courageous. And I know I'm going to be attacked by the world for it. And that's OK. I'm asking God to strengthen my armor. Um, I'm asking vast my pastors and different people to pray for me, former pastors and current pastors to pray for me, because I know that is countercultural. And sexuality, especially hypersexuality, is sucking the life out of our little girls and our little boys, feeling like they every television show, all you have to do is turn it on. And within three episodes, they're in bed together um the you know the twerking and the goodies and the this and i tell little girls and big girls you are so much more than your sexy bits you know what is your soul long for who are you you know what what sets your soul on fire and um so yes thank you for saying that i'm nervous but i'm also leaning into god because i needed to say it and it's the very reason that i'm married
1: and speaking of which, we were joking before we started this. Uh, your your book is called Relentless Joy, and apparently there was a guy out there who had a relentless pursuit <laughs> of joy, right?
3: Yes, my husband. Oh my gosh! You know, I met a lot of different people all over the world, and uh, and we were. I was at a speaking engagement, and I saw him, and he was so handsome, and you know, not necessarily my type, but handsome, blonde suit, the whole nine yards. And I walk in the room to give the speak to give the speech and my mother had surprised me with her best friend and there were about three or 400 people in the room and he was seated next to my mother. And they began to talk and he tells me later on, hey, I fell in love with your mom before I fell in love with you. And so he's very direct that evening, later that evening and said, hey, I'm interested in dating you. You know, and I was just like, oh, that was great. Like everything you wish for your daughters, Dan, that somebody is intentional like that about them.
1: And it's cool that it kind of worked in reverse. Instead of meeting him and then introducing him to your mom, it worked. Mom the, it worked the other first. way around. So she, you kind of got approval from her before you Amen. ever met the guy, right?
3: Yeah, and she passed away in 2019, but she got to meet his kids hmm. and him, and um, she, you know, I feel her spirit a lot, and I know that I'm going to meet her one day in heaven. Amen. Amen
1: tell me um about i'm changing the narrative and and anybody who follows you on twitter knows that you have become a champion for mental health
3: yeah uh, t- absolutely.
1: T- t- tell tell me tell me about all of that
3: yeah i uh, had my what i call a dark night of the soul um in 2019 after my mom passed away and had to kind of the perfect storm of crap happen and um i had a night where i contemplated taking my own life and Um, I began to talk about it uh, about a month later um, while I was speaking, and I'm changing the narrative starting in 2016. It started as purpose, passion, platform, my own experience of domestic violence, and what set your soul on fire. I always thought I'd be a sportscaster, and I would just do these talks on the side. Uh, It went FSU, then Clemson, 28 days before they dismantled Ohio State en route to the national championship, and then from there, it took off. And here we are seven years later, and we've incorporated, as you mentioned, mental health, We've incorporated interpersonal relationships, joy, purpose beyond your job, or athletics. Um, and I've been to 70 plus schools. I work with, I've worked with the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Northern Sun. I just got called by the NFL. I work with Border Patrol, law enforcement churches, halfway houses, high schools, K through five, wherever they'll have me. So it's just blown up and yeah we were on the mental health train and topic before the pandemic even started as it related to my own dark night of the soul and it was already a popular movement but then it it blew the doors off of it when i began to talk about mental health
1: and and i think it's just a cautionary reminder for people who are listening to this game i mean this this is well after you'd rededicated your life to christ this is well after you've been on this this incredible journey with christ and and yet satan is still attacking and, yes. and and got you to that point where you were considering those things. I mean that that's that's a cautionary tale for anybody.
3: Look, I think Satan attacks harder when you're a Christian, and he never relents. I say this to people. I didn't. Satan didn't have to attack me when I was not living right. Mm-hmm. When I was backslidden. When I was into drugs, and uh, because I was doing it to myself, he didn't have to attack me. I was doing. I was doing all the damage to myself. Then when I became sold out for him again, rededicated my life, that's when I now look at it. Like I put my feet on the floor and I think hell says crap, she's up, you know, <laughs> she made it, she made it. get ready, go attack, you know? And so where does he like to attack? He likes to attack attacking families, marriages, um, your jobs, relationships, the places where it hurts. He comes to steal, kill, steal and destroy. And he literally had me almost take myself out of this world. Um, for things that um one the the guy I had broken up with in late April I ended up marrying I'll see my mom in heaven I can't change that mm-hmm. and I did lose everything and I and I um I built back and and you know by the grace of God and so um I just want people to know that that I feel like we've got a plague of suicide on our land a scourge of suicide and from a mental health standpoint I understand the the psychology of it all, but I also understand there is a definite spiritual aspect to it, and um, and the devil and the, and his demons are behind it.
1: And, and and I suppose you don't mind me saying this because yeah. you have twenty three thousand followers on Twitter who see it yeah. anytime they go to your page. But you actually get put your phone number out there, and 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 you have people who have reached out to you and texted you and saying, "I'm thinking of doing this," mm-hmm. and, and you're able to provide them with some help and send them to places to get help.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we've had I've had three former players um, call me in the middle of the night um, having suicidal thoughts and we were able to get them help and and follow a you know, a a line of, you know, kind of demarcation, if you will, like next steps, next steps, next steps, a process that we've created. And, um, you know, I was doing a mental health talk last night and one of my team members messaged and said, I think my children's father is suicidal. What do I do? And I was able to give the numbers and and what I thought she should do in the crisis hotline. And do I call? Does he, you know? And so um, I don't know how I'll become the beacon for this, but it's a mantle that I wear proudly and I'll help people to the day I die.
1: As we wrap up, uh, going back to something you said a moment ago, Dr. David Jeremiah, who's one of my favorite preachers said that if you're not at war as a Christian with Satan, you might not even be saved. (laughs) So that that's one way you can be sure of, of your salvation um we could go on i know that you've got to go i'm 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 going to turn let's you loose let's
3: just do a part 2 can we, we just do a part we, 2 we we
1: can do let's a part out? 2 we can do a part 2 but but i do again want to tell everybody about the book yes relentless joy finding freedom passion and happiness and it's coming out i've got a copy you've got a copy but when can the general populace get a copy
3: june 20th so it's june coming 20th. yeah it's coming and Uh, You probably know this, but I'll tell your listeners in the book world, pre-sales are everything. So please uh, go and grab yourself a copy. We're also telling people, grab it for your office, grab it for your small groups, grab it for any of those things. Um, Yeah, again, not for me, not for my own glory, but for it to get in, in more and more hands so that God can be glorified.
1: And again, since we originally did the interview, the book has been released It's called Relentless Joy. You can go out and find it anywhere you get books. You can follow her on uh, what used to be known as Twitter, now X. And uh, she is simply amazing, speaking all over the place and doing great, great things for the kingdom. Let's take a break. We'll come back and get ready to wrap up this uh, 32nd edition of the Dan Scott Show right after this.
2: Is there someone in your life who has been a spiritual mentor, an influence so great that you'd love to find a way to honor them? For a gift of $200 or more to Grand Slam Ministries, you can dedicate a segment of the Dan Scott Show to that very special person. Honor someone who is currently in your life or remember the legacy of a loved one who has passed. Make your gift online at GrandSlamMinistries.org and we will send you an information form which will allow you to tell us all about this special person, how and why they were a spiritual influence, their favorite Bible verses, and anything else that you would like to share. In doing so, you'll be covering our cost of one week's production, helping ensure The Dan Scott Show stays on air and continues to share stories of loved ones like yours. In addition, you'll get your own copy of the program in which your loved one's story airs, either by MP3 or CD. Help the legacy of your spiritual mentor reach others with your gift of $200 or more today. Do so online at GrandSlamMinistries.org. That's GrandSlamMinistries.org.
1: Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers... We need your ideas and we need your support. Visit our website grandslamministries.org to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is grandslamministries.org.
0: Follow us on social media. Search Grand Slam Ministries on Facebook and Grand Slam for God on Twitter. And don't forget Dan's personal and public figure sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries.
1: Back for a final segment to wrap up this week's show, episode 32. Thanks to Rachel Joy Rohi for The time she gave us back in May, if you had heard the interview when it originally aired uh, over two months ago, I I hope you got something new out of it. If you heard it for the first time, I I hope you got a blessing out of it because her story is uh, just amazing. And uh, I would encourage you to get a copy of her book, Relentless Joy, if you haven't already been able to do so. I I am coming off of a... uh, a very powerful and emotional weekend. Uh, I mentioned last week that I had been given the honor of being inducted into my high school's athletic hall of fame, and and a week ago today, wrapping up that weekend, I I spoke at my dad's church for uh, the second time uh, in about two years. It, It was a just a marvelous weekend. My hometown of Williamson, West Virginia, was such a great place to grow up. It was, uh, in, in many ways, the the ideal place to grow up. Uh, unfortunately, now, because of the demise of the coal industry and, and some other factors that, that I won't go into here, uh, the town is if it's not completely dead it's it's on life support it's really in a lot of ways depressing to go back there and see what used to be compared to what there is now and you know i've got lifelong friends who still live there and doing the best they can but many of them have to work in jobs and other places uh half an hour 45 minutes an hour or more away driving one way every day just to find work but for a weekend, we were able to put all of that aside and, and gather with hundreds of people. It, it was an all-class reunion combined with the Hall of Fame weekend, and I saw people that I had not seen in 30 years or more. And in fact, when I spoke at my dad's church on Sunday, I, I remarked that I, I looked around and realized that I was in a room of full of old people, And then it struck me that I'm one of them, because my friend Brian Hatfield and I, who graduated together in in the class of 1985, we played sports together going all the way back to Little League Baseball, one of the best friends that I have in the world. We were kind of the babies of the group, and we're 56 years old. The, The event was more than I could have ever imagined and i had wondered what was i going to say and i kept coming back to there's always that expectation of self-deprecating humor right the uh, the fact that the school closed in 2011 it was consolidated and and just the fact that the the hall of fame continues you know now some what 12 years later speaks to the to the nature of the community and the nature of the school itself. But the, the school closed in 2011, so one of the things I said was, well, if you're um, old enough, the school's been closed long enough, eventually your name's going to come up, right? Or the other line that I thought of was the old Groucho Marx line that I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would have me as a member. But the thing that I kept coming back to was that the the award, the honor of being inducted into my high school's Hall of Fame was just another crown that eventually I'll lay at the feet of my Savior one day. Because without Jesus Christ, nothing that I've accomplished in my life would be possible. And I wanted to make sure that I got that point across because there are people there or were people there that Friday night and then Saturday afternoon who some of them have seen me on Facebook over the last decade and and know there's been a change in my life but there are others who only remember the person that I used to be and I wanted to make sure in the small window of time that I had I had about Six or seven minutes to speak. I wanted to make sure that they knew that it was because of Jesus Christ that I've been able to do anything in my life, much less be bestowed an honor like being inducted into my high school's hall of fame. And, and I I say this now, I said it then with no false humility. I'm probably among the least deserving of the 242 members who are now enshrined uh, in in the 101-year history of the high school. But the fact that I was voted in gave me the opportunity to make sure that for people who only knew the person that I used to be, that they had an opportunity to see the change that God made in my life, the change In my marriage, where Angela and I are now, as opposed to where we were 12, 15, 20 years ago, because we have Christ as the head of our household and we're on the same page there. I wanted them to see the difference. I wanted to take the opportunity to make sure that I gave God the glory for everything. And I think if I can leave you with anything as we get into wrap-up mode for this week's show, not that I'm seeking accolades for the Hall of Fame induction, but whenever you have the opportunity to share with people the difference that Christ has made in your life, take it. Because you never know the impact that it's going to have. And if you're listening to this radio show today and you've not given your life to Christ for whatever reason, let me encourage you to do so. Let me encourage you to reach out to a pastor or a Christian friend that you may know in your community. Or let me encourage you to drop me a line, dan at danscottshow.org. I would love to talk to you, I would love to share my testimony with you, and I would love to tell you what Jesus Christ did in my life and what he can do for yours. And sometimes we make it a lot more difficult than it needs to be. Sometimes we think that we're too bad and we have to get cleaned up before we can come to Christ. No, no, you can't do that. He's the one who does the cleaning. He's the one who does all of the work. He's already done it. It's a free gift. All you have to do is accept it. Dan at danscottshow.org. I would love to talk to you. We'll be back next week. I hope that you have a great week looking ahead. Until then, I'm Dan. God bless you and so long, everybody.